Hey everyone, welcome to Seekmore University, where everyone is a scholar. And on this podcast, we seek more and ask questions. Today's interview will be with Kosa Sheck, the founder and creative director of the streetwear brand Unheard of Hijabi, which specializes in making clothes for women who want to dress modestly without sacrificing style. Kosa has spearheaded an avant-garde brand that meets at the intersection of street culture and representation. In our discussion with Kosa, we will discuss her upbringing and how faith has been integral in her development as a person and as a businesswoman. Everyone, welcome Kosa. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. So glad to have you here. We've been trying to get this in for two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Three weeks or so. <laughs> we know you've been super busy. Just dropped the pink paisley. Hijab, yeah. How did, how was that drop? It's been good. Um, I feel like it's spring. It's spring now, so we're kind of getting into like the springtime and you know putting more bright colors out there. When you're doing with like each drop that you do, do you try and like go with the seasons or go yeah. with the trends? Yeah, I try to go with the season just because like, you know, I don't want to put out, especially with like clothing, like I don't want to put out like, you know, winter clothes in the summertime or like summer clothes in the wintertime, you know, kind of just like go with what the trend is and like, you know, what are people, you know, wearing and stuff. Oh, that's important. That, yeah. that brand awareness. You always got to be aware of what's going on out there. So speaking of awareness with your brand, it creates awareness within itself because your brand is for women who want to just modestly. When did you, what got you to that point? Honestly, like even for me, like a years ago, like I wasn't really dressed modestly. Um, I didn't really take modest seriously. You know, I was young. I was kind of in the more like trendy, you know, skinny jeans, that type of vibe. Um, but after I kind of got like more acknowledgement about my religion and like Islam and my deen, you know, I kind of like thought to myself, like, you know, what am I wearing? Or, you know, why am I not like more modest or like more, you know, kind of like following the rules of Islam? And I kind of educated myself with that. And yeah, I feel like after I educated myself and got more aware of that and got more religious, I guess I would say, um, I just started dressing more modest. And yeah, I loved it. And, you know, I realized like after I did dress modest, like, you know, there wasn't really a space for us, like Muslims who did dress modest, you know, you know, whenever I would go on TikTok or Instagram, you know, I would see a lot of like fashion posts with Muslims, like modest fashion, but it wasn't really like my modest fashion or like, you know, what I was seeking. So, yeah, like making a brand that kind of was based with like modest was really big for me. And I feel like for everyone else, because there really isn't a space for that. And as we spoke, as you mentioned earlier, you moved from Somali when you were two years old to America yeah. mm -hmm. and your parents are from Somali, right? Yeah. So when you're moving here as a kid and, you know, the, and you're looking at the media, you're seeing television, all the fashion, all the watching TV shows, there's honestly, there's a. Uh, there's not much representation for women who want to dress modestly in the media. Right. So as a kid, how did that affect you? And as an adult, how does that drive you now? Sorry, I say um a lot. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> but as a kid, I used to always want to wear like jeans and pants. And my mom was always kind of like, no, like wear skirts. I like, go to school with your skirts and dresses. And I kind of was like, no, like you know, everyone is wearing jeans and everyone's wearing, you know, short sleeve shirts and this type of like clothing. Like I didn't want to be the one left out and like be the one, you know, not wearing pants. So as a kid, I kind of was, you know, I guess like not copying, but just wanting to like fit in with everyone. And so I kind of started wearing pants and like shirts and the regular fashion as like everyone. But as I am older now, I realize that I don't want to fit in, you know, like I want to be my own unique self and I want to wear what's right for me and what's right, you know, as long as I'm wearing something that like in the God's eyes, like if he's like, um, he's okay with it, then like I'm okay with it. Yeah. 
talk about wanting to fit in. And as a kid, it is there. There's that constant pressure to like want to fit in, especially being in high school, middle school. Yeah. The social media started getting bigger, and now it's mm-hmm. at, like it's cra- crazier than it's ever been. Like yeah. you talked about TikTok, it's, it's taken off. It's insane the impact that it has, and then like you know wanting to fit in and follow these trends. How hard was it for you to kind of t- to take a step back and say, you know what, I'm not gonna go and follow what everyone else is doing and kind of like follow my own path. I feel like for me, I was really into fashion a lot. So whenever I see something that's trending that I really love, like I'll look and I'll see, okay, like how can I make this more modest? Like how can I make it, you know, fit modesty? But my modesty back when I was a kid was different than what I think modesty is now as I am older. So, you know, like let's say for a, for a second, like corsets, they were really big, trendy. You know, I used to like want to wear them, but like how could I make that modest? You know, it's not really something that's like modest or you wouldn't really see a lot of Muslims wearing corsets, you know. Um, but like now I look and I look now I look and I'm like, OK, why would I even want to wear a corset? Like, why would I want to fit into that? Like kind of like have that type of look. So going back to your childhood uh, again, I know you mentioned like, well, we talked about, you know, your Moved here at two years old, and your parents wanted to move here for a better life. Do you feel an obligation to kind of like pay them back because like they packed up and moved here for a better life Mm -hmm. for you and your siblings? I do, in a sense. You know, my parents till this day, like my dad still works and he still, you know, wants better for us and like still provides for us. And so, me doing this kind of doesn't feel fair, but at the same time, you know, I try and go to college and I try to, you know, build my education and graduate just so like, you know, I can kind of give them that type of um, secureness that I've, I did go to, gra- I did go to school and I did graduate college and, you know, I did what they wanted me to do. But at the same time, like me having my business that I feel like I still can like follow my dreams with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned that going to school, it's fair. Could you elaborate on that? Like by going to school, you feel like it's still fair. In what way? Like, is it fair to like, to you, you're saying to them? Yeah, it's fair to them because I'm still pursuing what they want me to pursue. But at the same time, me having my business, it's fair to me that I'm able to pursue my passions. So I feel like it's fair for both of us, me doing what I love and me still going to school. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it seems I, now, not in all cases, but a lot, a lot of people uh, who are immigrants that do move there, there is that. Um, scholarly expectation from right. like your the elders in your family. H- how has that been for you? What is like the edu- What is the expectation from your parents as far as going to school and career work? So it's really high. Um, my parents really have like high expectations. So it kind of really encourages me like with my business. Like, you know, at first I was like, do I really want to do this? But at the same time, it's like my parents want me to do this, do this as well. And so it was kind of hard for me to pursue it. But I guess like me communicating with my parents and telling them that, you know, there is many ways of income and there's many ways of like having a set like revenue coming in. Okay, so it's almost like you got to show them like, you know, okay, so let me ask, what career do they want you to pursue? So honestly, any career that career that I want to, that's going to benefit me in the future. So let's say if I was to do marketing, which I am now, like if it's going to benefit me, then they're OK with it. You know, they're not really like, oh, be a nurse or a doctor. It's kind of like what you want, but make sure like it's going to it's going to basically help you in the future and get you a job. So it's like something that pretty much pays the bills and yeah. make sure that you're like stable. Mm-hmm. But right. on your side, you're kind of like you have to show like with your brand, you kind of have to like show them like, listen, this can make right. money as well. I can be an yeah. entrepreneur. I know you said that you're a marketing major. 
how much is like school contributed to your success? And like, has you have you learned anything from school, or is it more so like just through experience with the brand? So at first, I wasn't doing marketing; I was doing PA and also nursing. And then I decided not to do that, and I decided to change my major. Literally, like end of sophomore year. And so that kind of like held me back with college just because I did change my major. And so now I am doing marketing and that kind of, you know, I did take a semester off to kind of just like think like, okay, what do I want to do? Like, you know, do I really want to do PA or am I just doing it because my parents want me to do PA or want me to do kind of like that type of field? And so after I did take my semester break, I looked back and I was like, okay, like, let me do marketing. Marketing is going to help me get a job in, you know, PR and maybe like business brands where I could work with higher brands and like things that like would basically like make me happy and so that's what I did but marketing actually really helped me a lot because now that I have my brand it's like I'm learning so much key facts and so much you know knowledge that I didn't know and so that kind of makes me like have a brand that's more well aware like a small business but also like you know yeah I was gonna I like how you talked about like learning from marketing and applying it to your business because a lot of small businesses and not to say, because you're you're a big business. Of course, you're still starting out, but you're yeah. still a big business. A lot of up and coming business, they run it as if it's just up and coming. And like mm-hmm. you can kind of see in the quality of their, their work. But when I look at your brain, I look at the Instagram, the aesthetics. Yeah. It's very cohesive. It's very, it's spot on. I know who your target market is. I can look at your target audience. How did you go about um kind of just bringing everything together as far as like your rollouts and how you go about your photo shoots and directing campaigns? Like how do, for which each campaign, how do you know, okay, I'm going to go with this look. I'm going to plan it this way or go with these colors. So before I started my brand, I'm like a very creative person. So, you know, I used to do makeup. So with that, I was very creative and I would do like different looks that weren't really unique. And then when it comes to fashion, like, you know, I would just dress a certain way. So I was very creative with that. And so with my brand, like I just it's like a different type of creativity that I have for and a different type of passion that I like love deeply that I've like learned recently. So me like these ideas just like come to my head and so I just like apply it and it's not something that like I take months of planning it's kind of just like you know I have an idea and I make it happen so I know you mentioned you said you were going to school to be a PA at what moment did you say like this is this isn't it anymore I, I, did you like did you fail a test like what made you say I need to, this isn't for me um so I did fail one class which I never like told anyone but it wasn't even that one class it was more so I wasn't passionate I wasn't motivated like you know, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, like excited to go to school or excited, you know, to graduate being a PA. The only reason why I did PA is because I wanted to be a pediatrician and I really love kids. That's one thing. I feel like kids is really what like would motivate me to do PA. But other than that, like it wasn't something that I was like, wow, like, you know, I'm going to be a PA. Yeah. So I know you said you, what, by the way, what class did you fail? A biology. Uh. That class humbles everybody. Okay, when did you realize you wanted to start a business? So right now I sell hijabs. And before I started my business, I would do like custom hijabs. So on TikTok, there was this trend. And before like TikTok, I used to sew. And so I used to make like certain garments for myself only, like not for other people. And after TikTok, there was this trend where people would make like Prada outfits and like Vivian Westwood and all these other like inspired outfits by like bigger businesses, bigger creators. And so for me, like I did one, but it was like jilbabs and jilbabs is like a certain type of hijab that people wear, not people, but like women wear. And so um, I made like a Prada one and like a Vivian Westwood and it it very like it kind of inspired me to like make more. And so I kind of 
you know, after I stopped wearing jilbabs, it was kind of like not a phase, but it was kind of, you know, I loved wearing jilbabs. But at the same time, I felt like it wasn't something that I could wear all the time. And so I came up with like certain hijabs. And so I made like an army print hijab. I'm not sure if you saw it on Instagram, but after I made that, like people were like, oh, my gosh, like, where can I buy this? Or like, where can I get this? You know, and I realized that like people loved it. And so after I started making more, but like using it on my own and like me wearing it and yeah, people just loved it. And so I was like, okay, like I'm going to make a brand. Yeah. Were you nervous prior to starting? Because I know like starting a business isn't easy. Mm. You're going to be judged by your peers. You're going to, yeah. your family's going to see it, your friends. Were you nervous at all to like start it and like promote it as a, as your brand? I wouldn't say I was nervous. Um, but I was kind of like, not, I wasn't scared, but I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, is it going to go good? You know, are people going to support me? Is this something that like people are going to like? Because, you know, it's a brand, it's something that's never like people haven't seen before. So yeah, it was pretty different. No one, I've never seen anyone do it. So I kind of, I was kind of hesitant at first, but at the same time, I was like, I'm just going to do it. And so I did. And so it turned out really great. Absolutely. I was yeah. just going to say, like you mentioned earlier, Vivian Vest, the Vivian Westwoods and the Pradas and the Chanel's, their, their stuff is for a specific mm. market, market, you know, typically, you know, that you see who models their stuff and you right. look at their, exactly. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> With your brand, did you kind of want to make something that was like representative of, of like you as an individual and so that mm -hmm. people can like connect with it? Yeah. When you first started and you were thinking about what people might think, um, and then once you put it out there, like, what did your, what did your parents think? And like, what are some of, what did your friends think? So I didn't tell my parents until my like second collection just because I kind of wanted to keep it low key, you know, not really put it out there. So yeah, I feel like once I told my parents, like they were really supportive about it, especially my dad, he would ask me questions about like, who's your manufacturer and stuff. And I was like, how do you, how do you even know about that? You know? So it kind of just like opened like a different like conversation up for us. And so, yeah, he was really supportive. My mom was really supportive about it. My family was really supportive. You know, they saw like the sales and they saw like, you know, me getting like packages and everything. They were like, wow, like she's very, you know, motivated. She's very, you know, she loves what she's doing. And so, yeah. With certain businesses out here, I've heard people say, oh, my friends are super supportive. I've also right. heard my friends don't support me at all. How was your experience um, with like your friends when starting up your business? So my idea with my business was really different. So when I did to my friends, they... You know, I feel like it's different when you're talking to a creative and then when you're talking to your friends, because like when I tell my friends, they're kind of like, uh, like, are you sure you want to sell this? Like, you know, do you think people are going to buy it? But, you know, when I put it out there, you know, other creatives are like, wow, this is really dope. Like this idea is amazing. Like, you know, it's going to take you far. So I feel like they didn't really see the vision at first, but like now they do and they support me. So, OK, yeah. so you kind of like kind of like show and tell. Like nobody yeah. sees a vision in the beginning, but mm -hmm. then you got to show them like, oh, right. I'm really about that action. <laughs> right. That's interesting that you said, like, some people, like, question you. Did you take that, like, did you ever, like, doubt yourself? Because, like, I mean, if my if I bring an idea to a close friend and they kind of don't agree with it, I'm going to maybe reconsider. Did you ever, right. like, doubt yourself? Like, is this the idea I should go with? I did, but I feel like before I realized that, I realized that, like, me telling, like, some people, they just don't, like, understand and, like, they don't really get the vision. So I just realized that, like, you know, like, they're not going to get it, you know? So, yeah, I just kind of did my own thing. I don't really listen to them, yeah. That's, that's important, especially as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You kind of, there becomes a point where 
you have your niche group of friends, but then also you want to elevate as a business owner. Right. So you kind of have to start aligning yourself with people who mm-hmm. think kind of like you. Bigger, it, yeah. Exactly, because uh, not to knock anybody who isn't an entrepreneur, but they just won't understand. Understand, yeah. If you're going to, hey, I can't go out because I got to save money for funding or manufacturers, so I might can't go out, but I, right. I got to go package up orders or I need to spend money more so I can spend more money on packaging instead of going to take this trip. Um, I was going to ask before I get into funding and stuff like that. You said it opened up a different conversation with, with you and your dad. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, how so? So it was more so like business conversations. Like he was asking me, like, is there any other routes that you could go with your business and like manufacturers? Like he was asking me, who's my manufacturer? Like he was trying to help me and like trying to see like what better ways can we, you know, use them and what better ways could we like how could I profit more from them? Because, you know, it's really expensive to like manufacture from out of season. It is from like, you know, North Carolina or like United States. So we were trying to see like, you know, are there other manufacturers that could give it with like for a low cost? You know, like how could you profit more? Because for me, like when it comes to profit, like I profit fairly, fairly because I don't want to I don't want it to be very expensive. And, you know, I'm profiting more than what it is. That makes sense. Absolutely. And I know with clothing. It's common for like profit margins to be mm-hmm. like really low, like yeah. 40%, 50%, almost doubling is like kind of good. Right. So with you, how do you control where you keep your prices at? Like, how do you know, okay, I'm going to charge this much, but still make it to where it's accessible? Because mm-hmm. some of your early supporters at right now who are supporting you, they may or may not can't afford it. But once you get big, you still want them, your early supporters, your OG supporters mm-hmm. to have it as opposed to like the newcomers. So right. how do you go about like price pointing where to everything? So right now, I feel like when people see my prices, they're kind of like, oh, that's kind of expensive for a hijab or like for a a piece of fabric. But for me, I don't get it through like manufacturers like Alibaba and like AliExpress. Like I get it from actual manufacturers and I pay actual money. Like I'm not paying, you know, $10 or $15. Like I pay way more than that for my hijabs, you know. So when people see my prices, they may think like, oh, that's expensive, but it's really good quality. And it goes it's it goes like, I put more effort to it. Like, you know, with the rhinestone hijabs, like, the rhinestones cost, like, $5 a piece, like, per design, you know? So you have to really think about that. And so that's why my prices are high. And so I try to fairly put it where I'm making good profit in order to buy more um, garments, in order to buy more products and, like, packaging as well. But then also make it affordable for them to, like, okay, it's actually reasonable. Like, could I buy this if I was 15? Or could I buy this if I was, like, you know, a college student? Okay, yeah. so you're thinking about everybody when like you're right. doing these collections. Um, did like did your dad help you find any manufacturers, or he was like, did okay. no, I found everything. My like anything with business, I did everything. Yeah, so, so you're did, yeah, you're a one one person, one shit. person. Yeah, so like no one has like ever helped me, other than I did have a friend help me with like packaging once. I needed help packaging because I had a lot of orders, and I was kind of just by myself, and I didn't trust my family to help me because I feel like I didn't want them to like mess up anything. And so I did have one friend help me. But other than that, yeah. With you being a one person doing this, like just one person ship, does it ever get stressful? Like, is, does it feel like, does it ever feel like it's a lot, especially with working full time and being a student? It is. And sometimes I get drained and I do try to take some breaks because it is very overwhelming, but it is a passion for me. So I don't really think it's hard at the same time, like, I try to tell myself, okay, like, take breaks. Like, you don't have to do all that once. As you mentioned, being overwhelmed and being stressful. When you're feeling overwhelmed with the business, how do you go about decompressing? Honestly, I just take a break from it. And I don't, like, 
you know, focus on it or I don't go on it or I don't like I try to distract myself with other things and just take a break. What is the average break for you? Is it going to a park? Is it going to get a smoothie? Is it I yeah, don't know, ice I cream? Say, like going out to eat, going to the park, like maybe going to the gym, hanging out with friends. Okay. Yeah. Now, like you said, you're doing this all by yourself. Mm-hmm. At what, is there ever going to be become a point where like you may employ a team? I know the business is growing. Which- yeah. So I do want to. I was actually thinking of hiring these two girls that I know from my city. Um, They're very young as well, but I feel like very supportive with my brand. So having them work for me would be really fun. Okay. So yeah. kind of like giving them a platform to like right. learn and mentor yeah. them. Do you right. have any mentors at all? Anybody? Do you learn from anybody or you kind of just learn as you go? I learn as I go. Yeah. So as a business owner, you know, you can watch a million videos on the internet. You can read a hundred articles, but experience is the best teacher. Like that's going to teach you more than anything. What are some of the mistakes that you've made as an entrepreneur and like how have you learned from them? Some mistakes I've made was like listening to other people, I would say, and having their opinions affect mine. So, you know, I would ask around questions and I would get different opinions and I kind of would just go with those opinions and I wouldn't go with what I like. It's my business, you know, like I know what's right or wrong or I know, you know, basically how everything is. So for me, listening to other people was kind of one of the mistakes I made. Also, I would say feeling bad, like for my prices, like I would, I would feel bad that like a hijab costs like $35, but it's like, what can I do about that? You know, like that's, I'm being fair about it. So just kind of like, yeah, I would probably say that. Okay. And I was going to say, I mean, they're quality of jobs at mm-hmm. that. Um, and $35, you think that's a lot? I think it's like 36, but I, I mean, yeah. I mean, really like I kind of, Put it as like if you were to make your own custom rhinestone, it would cost more than what I'm selling it for. So I feel like it is a fair price. Okay, you give it a yeah. more bang for the buck. Um, along with like just running the business, what has it taught you about yourself as an individual? I'm pretty sure you've been tested, pushed to the limits, like you said, questioning yourself. What has it taught you about yourself? And like, what are some things from you like running a business that you apply to your life? I would say patience. Um, I feel like I was never patient with myself and like my life. But with my business, like, you really have to be patient. You really have to, you know, acknowledge a lot of things. And so I did apply apply that to my life and, you know, being more patient with myself with everything that I do. In the past, like, how weren't you? I mean, because, I mean, in this day and age, there is this constant pressure to be successful or just keep up, I guess, so to speak, with whomever that may be. How weren't you patient with yourself in the past? I would rush things. Like, I would rush everything when it came to, like, school or work or just like life in general, I would kind of just like rush and not like, like, you know, live in the present, live in the present moment. Yeah. Living, living in the present. (laughs) And I kind of just like would think, think about my future all the time or think about like my school and like working and kind of like, where am I going to be in the future? Like, you know, I'm always like achieving for the future, but it's like, I'm never in the present. Now I'm kind of more patient with myself. So I'm like, okay, like I need to slow down and like, not really always like thinking about the future and kind of just stay in the present moment. That's important, like, yeah. living in the present. Because, as you said, like, if you live in the future too much, life will just pass you by. And, like, you won't really – it's hard to appreciate your accomplishments, especially, like, when you're just thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next. Right. Do you, like, celebrate every drop? Like, when you sell out, do you celebrate? Or is it just, like – I haven't, but I do want to celebrate soon. I was thinking of actually having a launch party for my summer collection that's dropping. Yeah, so those are all, like, new designs, new everything. And so I'm really excited for everyone everyone to see it and so i was thinking of having like a launch party but i haven't decided 
we got we got the we got the, we got the uh, drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of summer, I know we spoke a couple weeks prior. You talked about uh, big summer plans. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the New York move? Is that still? Uh, so with everything going on right now with like all the violence in New York, I kind of been a little bit hesitant, but I still want to. Yeah. And so hopefully that's going to happen in June. Like with women being targeted on the right. subways and yeah. the attacks. I was going to ask about that as a woman running a business or as, as a period, especially as a Muslim woman, um, mm-hmm. do you feel a need to kind of protect yourself more or move a certain type of way? Necessarily, I don't. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. And then, especially with fashion, as we know, it is a male-dominant industry. Right. Have, what is, have you ever had any experiences where you kind of had to show, hey, although I am a woman, I am a Muslim woman, a black was a Muslim woman, I'm still capable of, um, you know, running a business. Have you had any situations like that at all where you had to prove yourself? I would say no, just because, like, I'm very inspired with, like, a lot of, like, women entrepreneurs. So they really inspire me and, like, I see them. And so I don't really look at, like, males. You know, I'm very, like, you know, I kind of just see, like, who inspires me and what they're doing and what they're capable of. And I'm like, okay, like, if they're capable of that, I am too. Oh, I mean, more so, like, as far as, like, dealing with, like, the like the manufacturers. Do they ever try and, like, get over on you or anything like that? Um, I haven't dealt with that. I, I hope I don't deal with that. But my manufacturers are actually Muslim. So oh, okay. that really, like, puts a plus in things. They're very, like, you know, trustworthy, I would say. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Speaking of being Muslim, how has, like, faith been integral in your growth as an individual and as a business owner? It really helped me a lot because I feel like if I wasn't in my faith or I wasn't really on my dean, dean is kind of just, like, being on your faith, I wouldn't really be out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am now. And so it kind of helped me being more patient, acknowledging more things about myself and who I am and, like, what I should do. Prior to starting your business, mm. you kind of went through a phase where you started dressing more. Because you were dressing modestly before you started the business, right? Mm. So yeah. isn't that's, like, I think that's, like, super interesting how when you align yourself more with your faith and you start taking, like, you know, your faith serious, things just kind of come Happen. together. Exactly. Yeah. The things, so as you started taking, like, did you not read? I did, but I wasn't really, like, it wasn't really like a, a part of my routine. Okay. Yeah. So what made you like want to actually start reading it and studying it and applying it more to your life? So I necessarily didn't start reading the Quran more. I, I prayed more. I feel like I was lacking that. Like my prayer, you know, I didn't really pray on time or sometimes I wouldn't even pray at all. And so after I kind of like took the leap to like pray and to acknowledge like what I'm doing, I felt more better and I felt more present. And I feel like I just, I feel like, God helped me a lot. And I know it's currently Ramadan, right? Yeah. Okay. So when did it start? April 1st, was it? I believe so. April 2nd, I think. Okay. Yeah. okay. And it's about what? Two, about two weeks in. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have said the date because they gonna if it's come out in two weeks, they're going to yeah. be like, it's been a month. But um, so how has that been um, with school, the business, life? How has that been this past two weeks? Um, it's been good, I would say. Right now, I don't really have a lot of drops. I did have the pink paisley, but that was before Ramadan. Uh, so yeah, I am planning for my next drop next month. So I'm just kind of planning for that. Does it like, does it get tiring at all? Not really. No. Cause I'm not really doing anything hands-on. It's just more so like making a mood board or making a, a folder with like all the clients and like all the models and everyone. Okay. Speaking of being hands-on, I know you said you're one person owner. Um, do you work with like other photographers? Do you like, do you do it yourself or do you like take all the pictures and, um, everything there's the, the design process is that all you as well 
So for the pink paisley, I took the pictures myself. That was like the first time I've ever like taking pictures. And I did have someone edit the pictures for me. So those edits that I did post, I didn't edit them. I did have like I actually like paid someone to edit them. But usually I do have like a photographer who I pay because if I'm working with someone that really knows what they're doing and it's very creative, then I feel like they would kind of get the idea of what I'm looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah, I usually work for, with a lot of photographers. Oh, uh, do you like to direct? Do you like to outsource most of your photography work, or you rather do it yourself? Um. So usually I would look and see what their work is, and if it aligns with my brand and my creativity, then I would work with them. And if it doesn't, I'll just kind of stick with my own thing and do my thing. Okay. And how poor? Speaking of sticking with your own thing, um, in a social media dominant culture, there's like this need to like fit in. Um. How important is it for you to kind of always stick to your stick to your roots, if that makes sense? And just like just stick to your like the foundation that you have right. set for yourself. So sticking to my roots really helped me a lot because it made my brand really unique and really stand out because you don't really see a lot of like modest Muslim brands out there. And when they say modest, it's usually, you know, different type of like opinions on modest. So it's not really like the modest that it's actually like written for us. And so I feel like my, you know, just think to myself makes my brand very unique. And growing up, right, where like you grow up in like in Char in Charlotte, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, growing Back up in, in Charlotte, Charlotte when I was like two. Okay, so like growing up, growing up in Charlotte, you're going to school every day. There's a, I guess, a Western American way of like life when you're in school and just in public school and like interacting with other kids. But like when you go home, was how was life like when you go home like? after a day of school in the U.S., but then you go back, like, you know, to your home. Although it's in Charlotte, but, you know, your parents are Somali. So right. was it, was there, was it, was there a big difference? Um, yeah, I would say it was a big difference, but not necessarily something that I didn't like. Okay. Like, did right. you ever feel like you were, like, living a double life? Where, like, okay, at home, I act this way, but at school, I act that way? Not really, no. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I was always myself at home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, and then at school as well? And at school, yeah. Well, at school, actually, I'm more, like, right now I'm more open and I'm more, like, I talk to people and I'm very, like, friendly to people. But in high school, I was very quiet and very to myself and I would, like, sit by myself and I wasn't, like, open to talking to people. Why do you think? And making friends, yeah. Okay, do you think because, like, you knew that you, okay, why, why what made you, it's, like, kind of distant from everyone else? Uh, I was just, honestly, I don't know. I was just really to myself, but I feel like now as I'm older, I kind of, you know, grown to know myself and find myself and who I am and like what I want in life. And so that made me more open and, you know, making friends who are the same. Okay. Yeah. How'd you like grow like to find yourself like, as an individual since high school to college? It was honestly me finding my faith that kind of helped me. That kind of helped with everything. Yeah. Was there a certain moment where you said, okay, I need to become more in touch with my faith or just kind of just happened naturally? Um, yeah, something happened. Um, I don't want to talk about oh. it, <laughs> but something had happened. And then also like other things were happening as well in my life. And so that really like, you know, kind of was like, okay, like I kind of was just talking to God and that kind of gave me a sign. And so I just, yeah, I continued to pray and I continued to like source and be more knowledgeable about my about my dean and I learned that I wasn't really like knowledge not I wasn't really knowledgeable and I didn't really know a lot about Islam even though I was Muslim and I was born Muslim and so like me educating myself 
And like knowing all of this helped me and like put a different perspective for me and for Islam. And so, yeah. Okay. And I was going to ask about the part like living the double life. Mm-hmm. How was it for you in elementary school or middle, like when you were like really young? Do you remember any differences between like school and home? Uh, Not really. Okay. No. It wasn't a really big difference. Okay. Yeah. And like did people ever like ask questions? Because I know we talked about like off mic. Mm-hmm. Where like you said, this you feel like now it's Ramadan's finally being like talked about. Talked like, about, the, yeah. More people are more open. Yeah, I feel like it's different in elementary school and middle school. People would like say, "Oh, like why do you wear that?" or like, "Do you shower with your hijab on?" or this and then that. And so, but now people are more knowledgeable and they know why I wear it and they know what the hijab is for and they know that I'm Muslim. Okay. So I don't really get questions as I'm older. Okay. So when like kids would ask you that, like, ask you that as a kid, would you explain it to them or were you kind of like? Not saying, like, what would you, how would you respond? Yeah, I would explain. I would just be like, no, I don't shower with that on. Okay. Yeah. Super ignorant, but. Yeah. <laughs> have, what's, like, the craziest thing you've been asked, like, as an adult? Because I know kids are, like, crazy, but, like, have you ever had anybody like, ask you, like, something crazy as an adult? Or, like, for the most part, you don't really deal with it? Not really, no. Yeah, I don't really deal with that. And, like, people asking me. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's... More so when I'm, like, young, people ask me. Oh, okay, guys. Are most of your friends Muslim as well? I used to have a lot of like Muslim friends, but now I I feel like as we grow older, like we kind of have like different friend groups and I feel like it's kind of like the same. It's half and half really. Yeah. Okay. And do you feel the need to like explain to like people, you know, your culture mm-hmm. or do you feel like they should more so like go and educate themselves? The friends that I've met are very educational like, and they know that like I'm Muslim and they know I pray and they know the reason why I wear the hijab and like they know that I cover and so I feel like they're very understandable. But if I do make like new friends who aren't aware of that, like they're very like they want to know about it. You know, they're very educational. Like they're like, oh, like, so why is that? And why is this? Yeah. And these friends that you've made, have you like met them throughout? Are these high school friends or more like college friends? More college friends. Yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone I've met is from college. Yeah. Oh, like most of your like mm-hmm. lifelong friends you've met in college. Oh, no. Like right now, the friends okay. I have now are from college. But. Oh. The friends I've had are like childhood friends. Oh, Muslim okay. friends, yeah. From like your parents, like mm-hmm. children. Friends, yeah. Okay, so it's like almost like y'all cousins, basically. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of like growing and evolving with the business and your friend group, have you? Does it feel like you've kind of had to meet new people or like grow apart from certain people in the any like you know in your process of like evolving? Uh, I wouldn't say grow apart. I feel like it's important to know where your friend stands in certain areas in your life. And so certain friends, I just treat them as like, oh, like, you know, this person, I'll just grab coffee and talk to them about this life. But if I'm, if I have like other friends, for example, like Reem, like we talk about like creative things, we talk about different things. And so I feel like it's just, it's different. Like you kind of just like know where they stand, you know? So I don't really like cut off people. It's just knowing where they stand in my life and like, for the future, what are your plans for the future with Unheard Ajabi? The future, I really want to collab with creative directors that do um, like creativity. So basically like have, you know, there's like models out there that Muslim models, hijabis that model for bigger brands. And I want to be able to create hijabs for them, for their shoots. And I know you model as yeah. well yourself, right? Right. So when you do go, like when you go to like different shoots, do you, you wear the hijab? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how was that like? Do you feel like there's like with your like with thing like with being a model and seeing how the game goes and seeing like the lack of representation? How did that make you feel as like when you were modeling? 
So for me, I did a lot of like beauty looks and like beauty campaigns and like productions. So I didn't really get to do like those creative productions where, you know, you switch to different outfits. And so I feel like for that, you know, there are certain models who do that and switch to different outfits. And for them wearing the same hijab all the time is just kind of just like repeatingly. And so that's where I want to come and like make the change. Okay, so we're here for the change. So you definitely Mm -hmm. plan like, and I see it, we all. Yeah. That's the goal, like to change the narrative around um, Muslim modest dressing women. Right. And if there's two more questions. The kid, the young you who wanted to fit in, Mm -hmm. what is that young kid proud of today when she that when she she's you now? Um she would be really proud that I'm doing my own thing and I'm not fitting in and I'm finding myself and I know who I am and what I want. Yeah. And as far as like, is there any, what do you want out of life right now? Right now is to be content with life and to be happy with everything and not to rush. Patience is Patience, a virtue. Patience, yeah. And on that note, we're going to close out. This is Sigma University. We have Kosa Shiak. Thank y'all for listening. Thank Catch you. <laughs> Catch y'all next time.